going on, everyone? Welcome into the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I'm your host. I can be found on Twitter at KyleYNFL. I am joined here today by the boys. That is Kyle Soppy. That is Derek Tate. They can be found on Twitter at Kyle Soppy PFN and Derek Tate NFL. Gentlemen, it's been a very uneventful morning here at PFN Fantasy Headquarters. Uh, not a whole lot has happened here so far today. So you guys ready to, you know, kick this off? Not, not a whole lot's happened. Yeah, what rock are you living under? I could give you some story about cutting bread or my wife's, you know, anything here, but we don't have time to kill. We've got freaking wide receiver ones on IR. We've got running back. Maybe the greatest running back of all time is out for at least this week. Like, it's it's crazy. Tuesdays are supposed – Tuesdays and Wednesdays are the non-football slow days where it's like, okay, I can piece together articles. I can get content in hand. That hasn't happened today, Kyle. It hasn't happened. Derek, how are you on this uh, fine Tuesday morning where Justin Jefferson, Devon Achan, uh, there's been a little bit of news here so far this morning. I got to tell you, it's a first where I'm in the middle of changing a diaper and I hear my phone like kind of rattle and it's like, okay, the number one, you know, overall pick in most fantasy football drafts has been on IR. So now we all have to react all hands on deck. And I'm just like, okay, I got to get this. I got to get these little kiddos situated and then get down to business. So I'm really intrigued for this episode because we got to do a deep dive into what to do with these two situations and two superstars. Going to be on the shelf for a couple weeks. I will say uh, it is going to be an endless stream of coffee here for me this morning. Uh, Derek, probably two or three of those energy drinks here today. This is what we're looking at. Let's get into... There we go. There we go. All right. Let's get into breaking this down here. We're going to talk about some rest of season fallers here first before we get into the rest of season risers. So let's kick it off here. Obviously, this is a perfect opportunity for us to talk about these two players. Sapi, I will kick it off here with you. Who is a player that has fallen into the rest of season rankings? Well, I mean, if if we're going Justin Jefferson, like if we're going to go that route, I mean, it's he's falling in the regard to the short term. Like, I think he's still an option that you want. And if you have Justin Jefferson on your team, you're probably in good in a good spot. Through five weeks, you need to hold him. If you're a bad team, you can't afford to be without Jefferson and on the shelf for the next couple of weeks. So you you probably need to deal him. If that's the case in your league, you like it, I don't want to say it's a shark seeing blood in the water, but it kind of is. If the team with Jefferson's two and three right now, you're obligated to make an offer because that team doesn't can't wait around a month for Justin Jefferson. So you have to make an offer, go there. I've got him still wide receiver 20 in my rest of season ranks, and that's with him missing the next month. Yeah, I don't know what you're supposed to do here. You you have to hold if you're good, and you have to sell if you're bad. Like it's, I guess it's that simple. Go ahead, Derek. Yeah, the thing that I saw at the end of Schefter's tweet kind of made me raise an eyebrow. You know, if the Minnesota Vikings as a team over the next month go 0-4 or 1-3 and and they're looking like they're out of playoff contention whatsoever, what is the rush for Justin Jefferson to come back in particular because he didn't get the contract that he was seeking? I don't think that that's just pure speculation. I think that there may be a little bit of fire where that smoke is coming from. So I'm just kind of holding my breath i'm totally with soppy if you're in if you're like one and three right now or sorry uh, like one and four in your fantasy league and you have Justin jefferson you gotta trade him right now get what you can uh so you can try to be competitive because there's they're kind of right there's no real incentive if they're out of the playoff picture or, or a long shot to make the playoffs for him to rush back 
Sapi, I want to talk about the other side of this is, and it kind of alludes to what Derek talked about, about if the Minnesota Vikings continue down this trend of not winning football games, they could be very close to saying, we need to completely reset this roster. I think we all, including the Minnesota Vikings last year, were like, we overachieved. We overachieved a little bit. We got lucky in some of those one-score games here, and we made the playoffs. That was great, great run first season of Kevin O'Connell. But now this year, you're seeing the talent deficiencies on this roster kind of rear its ugly head. Is there a possibility, Kirk Cousins, in the final year of his contract, is there a possibility that Kirk Cousins gets moved to a quarterback-desperate team, hello, the New York Jets, where they go and acquire Kirk Cousins here, and then at that point, you're coming back if Justin Jefferson does come back off of IR. He's looking at Nick Mullins as a starting quarterback, and Justin Jefferson probably not going to be a top three fantasy football wideout at that point. Is there risk associated with acquiring Justin Jefferson outside of the, well, he's on IR and he's not available for at least the next four weeks? There's some risk there. I would kind of caution against the Kirk Cousins take, just because if Kirk Cousins, if they feel they're as out of it as they would be to move on from Cousins, then they're probably not bringing Jefferson back in any kind of hurry. So if that's the case, then Jefferson probably stays on IR. But yeah, no, there's there's a lot of risk to consider here. And that's that's just it, because you can't properly evaluate that now. You don't know that Minnesota's going one and three over their next four, because we don't know how they're going to do over the next four. They could go four and oh, and be like, oh yeah, they're rolling. And now they bring Jefferson back. And it's like Cousins was doing great with Osborne and Addison. And now you're throwing the best receiver in football. So yeah, I think it all comes down to positioning. If your team is fine, is good and is viable, and you can go two and two over the next four weeks with Jefferson out, I think you have to. But if you're in a win now mode, you, you got to sell because there's going to be teams that want him. There's going to be a 5-0 and team that is willing to take on that risk. This is one where we've got a free trade analyzer here over at Pro Football Network that you need to go into and input in some trade offers here and see what you can get Justin Jefferson for or potentially shipping away. Where that line is here, that has already been updated. We're recording this at 11 a.m. on Tuesday. That was updated 20 minutes after the Justin Jefferson news. Absolutely phenomenal tool there. Make sure to go check that out. So, uh, Derek, I'm going to send this over to you. A rest of season faller, I'm going to assume that we're going to talk about Devon Achan. Yes. Devon Achan, speaking of trying to break that fantasy trade analyzer, putting his name in there right now feels like we don't really know what to do with him and what his trade market is because we don't really know exactly if he's going to be put on IR. He's eligible to be put on IR, but that hasn't been made official yet. They report that he could miss a couple weeks, but it's not a season-ending injury. And, you know, there's some noise, too, with Jeff Wilson also potentially mm -hmm. being eligible uh, to return to practice within the next 21 days. And there were some reports that expected Jeff Wilson to actually return to the team last week, but I think because of how effective Devon Achan has been, they just felt like there was no real need, no real rush to bring him back. But now, of course, an injury kind of shakes things up a bit. So, yeah, Devon Achan, unfortunately, is going to kind of fall right around that 20 to 24 range for the time being. I don't want to overreact a little bit too much and like put him outside the top 30 because we don't even right. know if he's going to be put on IR yet, but he definitely drops a little bit. It's just really interesting, Yates and, and Sapi, to kind of try to figure out, you know, who is the running back that's going to see the work alongside Raheem Mostert. Last year it was Jeff Wilson, but are we really sure that it's not Salvin Ahmed? Are we sure that we don't see more of Chris Brooks, who looked pretty good against the Denver Broncos in week three. Then again, everybody did that was wearing a Dolphins <laughs> uniform. So 
they're all worth speculative ads to see who could work in tandem with Raheem Mostert. Yeah, that's the situation here where I think that it's pretty jarring to hear Devon Achan all the way down to RB20, RB24. That He's at RB24 in my rest of season rankings. And the factor in that is Jeff Wilson coming back. If this was just Raheem Mostert, we knew Devon Achan is going to be out two weeks, then... Yeah, he's probably RB15 in my rest of the season rankings. Like, still a very, very solid option that you want to hold on to. But because we do have so much ambiguity right now at the time of recording, we got to drop him. And then we got to evaluate from there another player that you definitely need to be going over to the free trade analyzer that we have here at PFN. The link for that right here in your podcast or YouTube show description. Let's talk about some rest of season risers here after week five. Sapi, I will send it back to you. I mean, if you're going to go, if we're going to say the injury guys are the fallers, you got to say the replacements are the risers, right? So, I mean, Jordan Addison has a has three top 25 finishes this season. And I, I think he's going to be the wide receiver one in Minnesota right now. He, he's kind of got to be. He and Osborne are splitting looks, splitting attempts. Osborne had the snap count edge, but, you know, it's negligible. They're going with a lot of three receiver sets. So, I think he's on the rise here. Addison, I... I preferred him to Osborne as wide receiver two, so I'm going to bump him up, bump Osborne up. Of course, it remains to be seen exactly how good he is when he gets the number one attention. Like, that's just a different animal. We've seen it with different receivers in the past that you think they're going to get more targets, and they do, but the quality of target dips because the attention to them increases, and that puts him in a bad spot. So right now, Addison, a wide receiver three for me. I think he's going to be viable. I have him ahead of Osborne, but understand that there is risk that comes with the number one role, not just seeing more targets. It's not as easy as simply lumping an extra four targets onto Addison right. and being like, oh yeah, let's just carry over the production, go from there and, you know, wheels up. I got to see it first, but I think he's in a good spot. All right, Derek, let's send it to you. A rest of season riser after week five. There's someone going to the moon in Chicago. His name's DJ Moore, wide receiver. My goodness, what a week five performance against a Washington commander secondary that is just giving up yards to anybody that, you know, is a dynamic wide receiver one talent. So as bad as this Chicago Bears offense, in particular the passing unit, looked in the first three weeks, Yates, we have seen a lot of encouraging signs from Justin Fields, from the offensive line, from Luke Getzey, the play caller. I was sitting here saying, I don't know if I trust him. Yep. He called himself a very nice game. And they that unit up front held up against that town and commander's front four. And if they can give Fields that type of time, he is fully capable of pushing the ball down the field. But TJ Moore is winning on all three levels of the football field. He is dynamic after the catch. We saw him rack up all kinds of yak, 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 yak. Like it's like Pac-Man. It's crazy when you just get the ball in his hands and let him create. Or he can win by getting vertical on you. In fact, Justin Fields actually missed him on a fourth touchdown pass yep. in the back of the end zone. So I had him in my top 10 heading into the season. And I know that that was aggressive, but I truly believe that he has been a talent that's been held back by his situation in Carolina. I was a little bit nervous through the first three weeks, but certainly the arrow is pointing up for DJ Moore for the rest of the season. It's remarkable too, the perception around DJ Moore, especially that week one, I think we need to really, really next year be talking and hammering it. Do not overreact to week one performances. We saw this with Christian Kirk. We saw it with Calvin Ridley on the other side of things. 
DJ Moore, two targets, two receptions, 25 yards in week one up against the Green Bay Packers. And everyone was like, ah, dang it. It's not happening. It's not happening again for DJ Moore. He's finished with over 100 receiving yards in three of five games here in Chicago. So DJ Moore getting the job done into that borderline low end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two production here. And you look at that schedule, Minnesota, Las Vegas, Los Angeles Chargers. We could see DJ Moore move into that top eight territory here for wide receiver rest of season rankings especially now with one of those top tier guys falling out in justin jefferson let's move into some running back trade targets here going into week six soppy i will send it to you who is a running back that you're looking to buy in fantasy football it's got to be our guy tony pollard i mean come on not every cowboys game is going to be decided by 30 plus points like what it seems like we get every week with them this season there's been two games not decided by 30 plus he's averaging 29 touches a game in those in those two games he hasn't scored since week one he's the guy they're gonna stay competitive he's versatile they need to run through him if that wasn't obvious last week I don't know what was Dak looked lost we've kind of been saying that for a few weeks now this offense has to run through the ground and I think they want to as long as he doesn't get game scripted out he's gonna be a top 10 maybe top five guy the rest of the way and I'm just not banking on outlier games happening like they've seemed to happen through the first five weeks so I I think you could argue Tony Pollard is your running back one overall in week six. I think they've got him as a top five play the rest of the way. All right. So Tony Pollard, a couple of down performances here. Uh, as we look at the landscape here, would you trade Brees Hall, who is coming off of a very, very solid performance here? Would you try to package Brees Hall? I don't know if that deal gets done straight up, but would you try to package Brees Hall for Tony Pollard? I certainly would. I And I misunderstood the last segment. Brees Hall, uh, major riser in the ranks after being fully unleashed and I think you probably I'm the right manager and that's the thing with trades and the trade analyzer is great for projecting value and mean outcomes but it is such a owner by owner basis like if that person is a big hall fan and after seeing what we saw from hall in week five you might be able to get that done and if not you throw in a like a Tyler Boyd and get that deal done I think you do it Derek do you have thoughts on that one so about Brees Hall, I, I just worry that Zach Wilson's still playing quarterback. Yeah, he's so still and bad. They, they they play the Denver Broncos in Week Five. They're not going to play the Broncos again this week. So I'm kind of skeptical about. Even though I love the expanded role for Brees Hall, love that. I'll take that all day. Mm-hmm. But I just a little bit worried when you're, they're not playing the worst defense in the NFL. What is the Jets' scoring opportunity is going to look like? Brees Hall's, of course, a, a very talented player. I just. I would take Tony Pollard all day over Brees Hall just because I trust Dak mm-hmm. Prescott, even though he's off to a terrible start um, in comparison to Zach Wilson, though, all day. I, I I am a little worried about Tony Pollard, though. Like, all right. you, you mentioned he hasn't scored in the last four weeks, and then we've also seen his carries over the last four games decrease every single game. His efficiency, which was hyper-efficient last year, is not there this season with an expanded role. So, I mean, I still think they're going to keep going to him. I still think he's a top 12 play. I just, I don't, I'm not putting him in my top five right now because I just don't trust the Dallas offense. I think there's a point to be made there with the Dallas offense that, uh, yeah, we're not necessarily gung-ho about it. But at the same time, Tony Pollard still RB3 in my rest of the season running back rankings. The past two weeks, 11 carries, 8 carries in each of those two contests up against the New England Patriots and the San Francisco 49ers defense. So, like, we shouldn't have been expecting Tony Pollard to finish as a top five running back in those games. Up against the Los Angeles Chargers here this next week, this is where we could see that arrow point yep. skyrocket right back up for Tony Pollard here. So I, I agree so. with the call. Go get Tony Pollard if you can. Derek, who is a number one running back to buy in fantasy football? 
You know, this guy just saw his first game of the 2023 NFL season and was thoroughly outproduced by Zach Moss, Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> so I understand six carries, 18 yards, and one catch for 16 yards. Certainly not what fantasy managers hoped for when they spent a first, second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever you spent on Jonathan Taylor and you were waiting for him to potentially get back on the field. He's back on the field. He's in your starting lineup and he puts up a dud and Zach Moss goes off against one of the best rushing defenses in the NFL. So I understand it's very disappointing and Taylor managers may be willing to just say, cut Pate and go, okay, now I can actually get something at face value for him. I just don't want to deal with Jonathan Taylor this year. It doesn't feel right. If someone's hitting that panic button after getting no production the first four weeks, a you know, a very disappointing dud of a performance in week five, go get Jonathan Taylor. Taylor is still the most talented back in this backfield by a mile. They're they're probably not gonna have Anthony Richardson for a couple of weeks to make sure that he's not going to be vulturing away rushing touchdown opportunities from the Colts offense. Even I could actually see it raising Jonathan Taylor's pass catching floor. If anybody's hitting that panic button on Jonathan Taylor, go get him right now. I agree with that call because we're looking at Jonathan Taylor getting paid. That is the big thing. Like Zach Moss outproduced him in week one with Jonathan yeah. Taylor coming off of the injury. I know that this was sort of a like, ah, I'm injured and like, but give me my money sort of situation. But I do think legitimately he was banged up here. He was not at 100%. You're not going to see the Indianapolis Colts pay Jonathan Taylor what they paid him and then continue to give Zach Moss the majority of the touches. As you look at Jonathan Taylor's schedule down the rest of the year, in weeks 15, 16, 17, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Atlanta Falcons, Las Vegas Raiders to end the year. That is a very, very solid schedule here for Jonathan Taylor in the fantasy playoffs when you need him and when he is going to be up and running at full strength. So Jonathan Taylor here, if you do have fantasy managers that are just so frustrated that they spent that draft pick on him, see Zach Moss. I love the call here, Derek, because I do think there's some sort of mental game there as well where people are just so ready to check out on Jonathan Taylor. Go get him. Kyle Asafi, number one running back to sell. Where are we going? I think I'm moving on from Elvin Kamara. Like, I like the talent, and I like what I've seen up to this point. But, I mean, you've got a role that sees him getting all the targets. He's getting the goal line work. He punched in a short touchdown. That's not going to be the case when Jamal Williams gets back. The target share, I think, is going to soak kind of in the direction of last week where it was 12%, not the 37% from his debut when Carr was banged up and couldn't stretch the field. So the healthier Carr gets, the more of a problem it's going to be for Kamara's target share. And I, we saw the dip in efficiency last year. Like his points per touch, career low, all that stuff was trending down. And I don't, why is that going to change? I don't think he's a great efficient runner. And if Jamal Williams comes back, gets to short touchdowns, and then you're looking at a 10 to 15% target share, not 37% that he had in week four. To me, you, I'm not saying he's going to fail the rest of the way. I just think he's probably not going to do kind of what he's done through two weeks as far as fantasy point production goes. So I'd be looking to move him at, at his current value and see what I can get. RB12 finish in half PPR scoring in his first week back, inflated by 13 receptions. And then RB7 in the in his second week back here. So we're seeing really, really solid production from Alvin Kamara. 
Derek, go ahead, and then I want to ask Soppy about who he'd rather trade Sure, for. sure. I mean, Soppy, he did face off against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense and the New oh, England yeah. Patriots defense, which yeah, have, are two matches. units that are in the top 10 against opposing rushing attacks. So I, I didn't expect the efficiency to be there, and the volume was there. And yes, while Jamal Williams could be involved, and Kendry Miller actually was kind of involved last week he good, uh, yeah. in a blowout, I, I, I still think Kamara is going to see and get his, and, and I'm not quite on board. I know that last year he wasn't efficient, but throughout his entire NFL career prior to last season, he's been a very highly efficient uh, back. So I just, I don't know. I, 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 I'm just kind of questioning uh, like that panic button or like get off of uh, Alvin Kamara. I actually, ha I've actually been encouraged by what I've seen. Uh, through the first two games of his 2023 NFL season. So as I look at my re running back rest of season rankings, I've got Jonathan Taylor at RB8 for the remainder of the year, which seems very aggressive, but I am anticipating that he'll get the workload here eventually as he starts to get back in. Alvin Kamara at RB15. Mm -hmm. Sapi, would you trade Alvin Kamara for Jonathan Taylor yeah. right now? It's funny. I've got him at 9 and 15, so we see pretty eye-to-eye -eye on this. Yeah, I would. I would go Taylor over Kamara and feel good about it. I think Taylor's role, like you guys said, is more likely to trend up when it matters most for fantasy managers. Whereas Kamara, I see going the other way. I mean, he only had two rushing touchdowns on 223 carries last season. If the scoring output isn't going to be there, and we we like Shahid, we like Alave, we like Thomas, they've got tight ends when Jawan Johnson's healthy, Taysom Hill, whatever. They've got options to score touchdowns, and I don't think Kamara gets there. So if the efficiency dips like it did last year, I'm concerned. All right, Derek, let's send it to you. Number one running back to sell in fantasy football. I think there's a window right now to deal at running back one type value for Josh Jacobs. And I want to take advantage of that because I don't really feel all that encouraged from what I've seen from the Raiders offense throughout most of the season. But in particular, you talk about efficiency, Soppy. The efficiency hasn't been there all season for Josh Jacobs. He has not one game where he's averaged over 3.7 yards per carry. I'm not saying that yards per carry is necessarily a, a sign of a, a running back playing poorly. It can have a lot to do with the offensive line. It can have a lot to do with the quarterback play. There's a lot of things that factor into that. Um, I don't know if I see him getting 11, you know, targets uh, that came with a rookie quarterback under center. And it seems like he's more hovering around five to six with Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback. So yes, the volume is there. I just think from what he did last year and the fact that he scored two touchdowns and had two pretty darn good fantasy outings back to back, I think that this presents a nice sell window for Josh Jacobs. All right, Derek, would you rather have Josh Jacobs for the rest of the year or David Montgomery in Detroit? David Montgomery. All right. Would you go Josh Jacobs or would you go DeAndre Swift in Philadelphia? DeAndre Swift. All right. Final one here. Would you go Josh Jacobs or would you go Joe Mixon in Cincinnati? Mm, pretty similar, um, except, you know, I, I think this, the ceiling is higher for the Bengals offense. If Joe Burrow is truly right, he looked right for the first time all season. I'll probably lean Joe Mixon. That's what my gut's telling me. All right. The NFL season keeps rolling, which means that we get to talk about some really cool, exciting new exclusive offers. Underdog Fantasy is now offering new customers that sign up with the promo code PFN, or you can click the link here in your description, a deposit match up to $500 plus a mystery pick'em special in the pick'em lobby to use right from the start. All you have to do is click the link in your podcast or show description, sign up, make your first deposit for access, and you will find the special player you got right there in the pick'em lobby. Think you're going to want to go take advantage of that. So sign up now with the code PFN and take advantage of this ridiculously awesome offer today. 
Let's keep it rolling here into wide receiver trade targets. Soppy, who is the number one wide receiver to buy? I think you got to go Zay Flowers way. And we've been a podcast that's been big in promoting him this year. And it, it really hasn't come through since the big week one. We get that he shows flashes of the talent. They try the bubble screens. They try deep. How close he was to truly breaking out this past week is what has me coming back to it. 75-yard touchdown if he doesn't stumble. Maybe at a big play that he dropped earlier as well to me. Better days are ahead for Baltimore. It was an ugly game, but we kind of knew that was coming. Those Pittsburgh-Baltimore games are always under right. 35 points. They're always brutal. They're always black and blue, and that's what it was. He was a step or two away from a massive day, and I want to be on the right side when he has that game. So I'm willing to buy him. I understand the fantasy finishes haven't been there since week one because he's not getting into the end zone. This Baltimore offense, I'm still optimistic on, and I still don't think any receiver in that offense besides Flowers is worth his salt. Like, I mean, you've got Andrews. I understand he's going to be a target volume, a target beast. That's not going to change. But there's room in this offense to have a top 25 guy, if not top 20, the rest of the way. Zay Flowers checks a lot of boxes for me, even though the production hasn't been there in a big way yet. To me, you go out and get him now. You slide him into your wide receiver two, flex spot the rest of the year, and feel great about it. You said the Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers games have a tendency to be black and blue. Quite literally for Zay Flowers this week as he got got punched in the face by T.J. Watt. Did you guys see that play where he literally got rocked by T.J. Watt, just punched straight in the face? And you have no idea who to feel more sorry for, like Zay Flowers getting punched in the face by T.J. Watt or T.J. Watt punching a helmet. Like, you know. A helmet, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right? Not exactly a super comfortable thing there. So Zay Flowers here, wide receiver 24 in my rest of the season rankings here i do think that he is right on that range of a low-end wide receiver two high-end flex option throughout the remainder of the year we're seeing lamar jackson play some really really good football the stat line did not yeah. indicate it here this past week with a seven lot of drops, drops. a lot of drops at the wide balls. receiver position lamar jackson's <laughs> right. playing fantastic football here you want to be on the other side of that here as we move throughout the rest of the year Derek, who is your number one wide receiver to buy in fantasy football there's just something about hearing Soppy, you know, sell me on my on one of my guys. Guy. Like it just injected into my veins. I love it. It gets me going. Yeah, baby. Um, one guy that I found myself avoiding heading into draft season, it was kind of costs associated with his uh, price, and that was Ceedee Lamb. And I was a little bit concerned about what this, how this offense wants to operate. And the fact that the play caller, Kellen Moore, was no longer in town and he kind of featured CeeDee Lamb in that passing game last season. And this season, it's been a very, very slow start for CeeDee Lamb. I mean, there's only been one game where he's seen more than seven targets. That's wild. He's only found the end zone once. And as we know, Dak Prescott has had his fair share of struggles and this offense can't seem to find the end zone um, once they get into the red area. Do we think that that potentially changes moving forward? I got to believe in a talent like CeeDee Lamb, who was drafted in the first round in a lot of different league formats, uh, that you have to start three wide receivers. So, I mean, you know, I still think the talent is there for CeeDee Lamb. The, the, the opportunities, the volume, and the efficiency haven't. So if, you know, fantasy managers are starting to panic on CeeDee Lamb's slow start when they invested a first or second round pick, I got to believe that better days are going to be ahead. CeeDee Lamb's a little frustrated. And when, you know, a dynamic wide receiver talent gets frustrated, generally offensive play callers tend to make it a point to try to get him involved in the very near future. And I think that that's how this offense can operate at its closer to its ceiling than what we've seen from its floor so far in 2023. 
it's going to be really interesting to see because you do have that dynamic, like you said, of very, very high expectations coming into the year. The draft capital will sunk into him with a first or second round fantasy football pick. And so fantasy managers, but the expectations have not been met. So fantasy managers are going to have this weird, like, yes, I want to move away from him. But at the same time, I'm not just going to sell him for a Jordan Addison for a George Pickens, right? Like you're right. going to have to pay up a little bit. And there is some risk associated with that. That is a perfect player to plug into the trade analyzer here at PFN. Sapi, I'll send it back to you. Your number one wide receiver to sell. And this guy was selling coming into the year and it looked dumb last week, but kind of right for the first month here. DeAndre Hopkins had the big week five. I get it against the Colts. 140 yards. He looked good. He's looked good all season, to be completely honest, even though the fantasy numbers haven't been there. He's still got plenty of juice in the tank. Gas in the tank. Juice in the cup. You don't put juice in sure. a tank. Anyway, uh, there he's struggling. He's struggling because this offense is terrible. And we went through this earlier on the show, so I'm not going to rehash as far as how bad an offense can drag down a talent like this. But as much as I believe in DeAndre Hopkins, the talent, he was averaging a fantasy point just under a fantasy point per target coming into this game. So that means even if he's getting 10 targets, you're only expecting nine to 10 fantasy points. That's not getting it done. I'm not betting on Ryan Tannehill and that Titans offense if I can help it. So I would use the big game, leverage it, go out, get yourself a wide receiver two for nuke and move on. It was, there was a lot of conversation uh, and smoke surrounding DeAndre Hopkins going into this past matchup here saying like the Indianapolis Colts are just getting shredded by the wide receiver ones that they face. And so with Traylon Burks mm -hmm. out as well, you kind of could see this game coming and he delivered 11 targets, eight receptions, 140 yards. Like you said, a wide receiver, eight fantasy finish in half PPR scoring formats. But before right. that wide receiver, 29 wide receiver, 61 wide receiver, 59 wide receiver, 40. Like this mm -hmm. is a perfect sell high window for Deandre Hopkins to be able to go out there and try to go acquire someone else there at the wide receiver position that has a little bit more consistency within that wide receiver two range and not so much of these peak performances here. Uh, Derek, your number one wide receiver to sell. Sapi mentioned him last week and it was a player that I think all three of us kind of liked heading into the season. I think maybe Sapi was the highest on him, but it's Gabe Davis. How many games in a row, how long is this touchdown streak going to last? Um, the most encouraging thing, though, about his week five performance was a season-high eight targets. And that's where it's like, can this be sustained when, you know, it took over a month for him to see eight targets in a game? I get it. It's a high-powered offense. I get it. Josh Allen's awesome. I get it that, you know, he's probably seeing premium efficiency looks because of all the attention that Stefan Diggs commands on a weekly basis. Six catches, 100 yards and a touchdown on a season high targets. I think fantasy managers are going to be more apt to buy in when they see that type of stat line than the one that the ones we've seen in the previous weeks, like three for 61 in a score, one and 35 for a score. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, it, I think that seeing that amount of volume and production feels like a fantasy manager may be more enticed to believe in Gabe Davis. I still think he's going to hover around and have these spike weeks, but he's just, I feel like he, eventually we're going to start seeing that Gabe Davis roller coaster, you know, start coming down. Eventually it's just been ascending so far over the last four weeks. I do think that eventually we're going to start seeing the volatility return. And that's where I want to try to sell him at, you know, wide, re wide receiver two type value right now. 
All right, so here is the player that I want to focus in on, and I want both of your opinions here. Gabe Davis or T. Higgins for the remainder of the year? Derek, I'll start with you. Higgins is injured right now, so I, with no guarantee that Higgins is healthy right the second, I would probably lean towards staying with Gabe Davis. Certainly, if, if you guaranteed me that Higgins comes back this week, then I would rather have Higgins. But, you know, the injury would probably make me steer clear. Sapi, what about for you? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good question. I'm going to go Higgins just based on the upside and the consistency that I think he has in his bag, whereas Gabe Davis, like Derek was saying, it's it's kind of a crapshoot what he's going to see. The, he's scoring like four straight games with a touchdown career high. That's great. But like you said, there's a one for 35 game in there. You don't see that with T. Higgins when he's right, when this offense is right. I understand he's been shut out at points this year and that he's dealing with a broken rib now. But I would gamble on Higgins understanding that the floor, I think, is probably higher for him moving forward. All right, let's move into some quarterback and tight end trade targets here to wrap up the show. Sapi, I will send it to you, your number one quarterback to buy. This one's a trust fall. Like, I'm not going to tell you guys, like, oh, yeah, go out, trade for Patrick Mahomes. That's fine. I, I have nothing wrong with that. Patrick Mahomes, great. Go do that if you can. But I'm getting Anthony Richardson on the dirt cheap right now. He's going to be out at least a month. I understand all of that. What we've seen from him is nothing short of special, and his manager probably can't withstand holding him. You're talking, he's out a month. We're talking three out of the last four weeks. He really hasn't been all that helpful because he's gotten hurt in two of them, had a bite, or had an, he was out for one of those weeks as well. The flashes of upside are just intoxicating with this guy. And if you, if you have a good team right now, let's say you have a good team with like a middling quarterback, you could very easily have a good team with Kirk Cousins right now. You could have a good team with somebody along those lines. You don't, it's not just the Jalen Hurts, the Josh Allens. Those guys, you don't need Anthony Richardson because even if he's Anthony Richardson that I think he can be, you're not playing him. So that doesn't matter. If you're one of these three and two, four and one teams with a guy like Kirk Cousins, go out, get Richardson. If you can, if you've got an IR spot, that's great. If not, try to stash him on a deep bench. You're talking a great end of season schedule for a guy that we know can do it. And they want to see what they have in the rookie. So I don't doubt that they bring him back. Falcons, Raiders, Texans to end the regular season. That's a pretty good run out. He could be a top five guy. Obviously there's risk involved, obviously, but you're, he's not going to cost you anything right now to slide on the end of your bench. You can't tell me that the upside of him in the right spot isn't more useful than a running back seven. All right. I have a follow-up question for Anthony Richardson, but I also see the show doc here and we're going to come back to that in just a minute. Okay. So Derek, number one quarterback to buy. It was a weird game, as you guys have already mentioned, for Lamar Jackson. And, you know, only less than 10 fantasy points. You know, he did that in week one, and he did it in week five. But those middle three games, weeks two through four, he was great. Um, still dynamic, dual threat quarterback, but I think he's improved as a passer. I know that the passing numbers haven't been there consistently quite yet, but like you already mentioned, Sapi, if he starts connecting with Zay Flowers on some of those big hitters, it's just a matter of time until those that passing production line starts looking better. And once he gets that to go with, you know, his capability on the ground, I'm all about trying to get Lamar Jackson if someone is hitting the panic button after a dud of a performance in week five. And, and we talked about that context already. Like, it was a dud performance from a fantasy standpoint. But 
you look at the tape and you watch that seven drops from his receivers here that you're talking about a monstrous performance if he connects on those and some of those were for touchdowns so like you're talking about a monstrous performance here from Lamar Jackson if that connects the next few weeks here Tennessee Detroit Arizona Seattle for Lamar Jackson here we could be looking at a monstrous stretch here from Lamar Jackson moving forward I do think that he is someone that you should go acquire right now let's move into the tight end position here Sapi, your number one tight end to buy going back to Jake Ferguson like I know a bunch of Cowboys are showing up on this show because all they do is play these blowout games where we can't really get a feel for what they're doing here Jake Ferguson yeah it was a dud last week it was a dud for everybody they got murdered but seven targets in three of his first four games he is the number two option in this offense in the passing game at least you've got Tony Pollard on the ground you've got CD Lamb through the air who else do you trust through the air to me, it's nobody. I don't think Michael Gallup's a thing that's going to last. Brandon Cooks looks like a shell of himself. They don't have another option. Not that I trust Dak Prescott, but I think they're going to be able to move the ball. Even bad offenses can have two viable options in the pass game, and it's tight end, man. You don't have to be that great. If he's getting seven targets a game, that's a top 10 tight end, and I don't really care what he does with them. Just the opportunity alone at that position is worth your while. Coming off a bad game, not a bad spot to get Ferguson. I feel like I've asked this question every single week here, but would you trade Kyle Pitts for Jake Ferguson in fantasy football? I would. I mean, right now you're dealing with a tight end committee in Atlanta. We weren't sure that they could support one tight end. So now they're supposed to support two. I get that they've seen over 35% of the targets in consecutive games. I don't think that's going to continue. I do think Kyle Pitts is trending up, which is nice to see, but I'd prefer Ferguson. Well, Atlanta has the greatest tight end that's ever played in the history of the NFL and Kyle Pitts as well. So, uh, Derek, your number one tight end to buy. It's a tight end that has seen eight targets the last four weeks. Jacksonville Jaguars, Evan Ingram, only four receptions for 28 yards. We expect that Trevor Lawrence in this passing game will continue to improve. I thought they looked pretty good against the Buffalo Bills, even though the Bills were incredibly banged up on the defensive side of the football. But Evan Ingram continues to see elite-level involvement as far as target share goes at the tight end position, and it's consistent. It's a pretty large sample size. So on a week where, you know, 6.8 fantasy points in, in a PPR format, I just feel like Evan Ingram is going to consistently be in the top 10 if not the top five at the tight end position i know it was a weird week for tight ends a bunch of them went off but uh you know ingram didn't have a big day and i think it, you know if someone is open to dealing him i feel like you're getting a pretty reliable tight end one on a weekly basis yeah his first fantasy finish outside of the top 10 uh, this past week here down to tight end 21 so you can look at evan ingram here as a very very solid buy again i feel like that is a situation of kyle pitts for evan ingram if you can try to you know sell put on your best salesman oh, hat yeah. and be like mm. kyle pitts is back man kyle pitts kyle pitts and you can able to mm. flip him for evan ingram that is a move that i'm making in a heartbeat let's go to number one quarterback to sell and this is where we will double back to your quarterback to buy soppy who's your quarterback to sell yeah and i know this one's gonna be met with some resistance but hear me out I am not, I, okay, I'm not completely dismissing him. I'm not calling him Mr. Irrelevant. I'm not doing any of that. But I am selling Brock Purdy on the premise that, A, this is as high as his value gets, and B, I, don't give me that face, Derek. You take, <laughs> Go ahead. More no, the point I, of sorry. how high. I, 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 need, 
I need, I need to have my face just, you know, you know, I need to be taken off cam sometimes. <laughs> I apologize. I'm, I'm very animated. How high, <laughs> how high can he possibly move up the ranks? Who are you? And that's kind of my, my premise here. Who are you comfortable realistically moving ahead of him or him ahead of the rest? I'm not doing it. A guy like Tua, I'm not doing it. Justin Fields showing signs. Trevor Lawrence, we all think is bouncing back. And, you know, I, I understand that I'm the Trevor Lawrence bandwagon driver here, but I'm not putting him that high. Yes, Brock Purdy's been great. No, it hasn't been on a ton of volume and it's immaculate efficiency. And I get that he looks the part yeah. and everything looks good. And the playmakers around him are good. But if you're telling me somebody that doesn't rush a ton, that has thrown 30 passes in one game this season, that plays for an offense that can run through Christian McCaffrey on the ground, play defense and win games that way. To me, Brock Purdy's ceiling is only so high and he's approaching it to me, that makes him a nice sell, and I get the feeling that Kyle's going to press me on a Richardson-Purdy situation here. <laughs> yep, yep. So I was looking at Anthony Richardson there and listening to your argument, looking at the available quarterbacks, and was like, an interesting one would be, would you trade Brock Purdy right now, who has finished outside of the top 12 t uh, quarterbacks just twice so far this season one was where he was the quarterback 13 in week three so he has been productive he's been great however the volume concerns are absolutely there 29 pass attempts in week one 25 pass attempts in week two 37 in week three then 21 then 24 the past two weeks here so you are getting it done with ridiculous ridiculous efficiency would you trade brock purdy for anthony richardson right now and then stream the position at the quarterback position I'm okay with that premise, understanding that you will be able to get so much more than just Anthony Richardson for Brock Purdy right now. I think you'll be probably be able to get a flex player. Nobody, the Anthony Richardson manager isn't going to charge you a Brock Purdy, a guy that like, you, what's he on the year? Like quarterback five? Like he's way up there. He's not, he's not going to require you to get Richardson for Purdy straight up. So you'll be able to get a flex piece and that's fine. You do that. You pick up Sam Howell who has 20 points in three of the last four games, doesn't have a bye until week 14. So your ability to just keep rolling Howell out there as long as this lasts, and then hopefully Richardson's back by the time clock hits midnight on Howell, who's got Atlanta, got New York twice coming up. He's got Dallas, he's got Miami. He's got some spots where he's going to have to score some points. Howell isn't sexy. He isn't as good as Brock Purdy, don't get me wrong. But if he can be viable and buy you that window to get you to Anthony Richardson when it matters most, if you think you can get to the fantasy playoffs, and then you get Richardson back in full go, I think it's worth at least considering. I'm here to open up your minds. I'm not saying you have to do Richardson for Purdy. I understand that that sounds asinine right now with Richardson out for at least a month and Purdy playing at peak levels. But if you do that and get a flex piece back that you can start on a weekly basis, we're talking a fine wide receiver two and a half, like a Jordan Addison or somebody along those I, I, I would listen to the offer. All right, Derek, your number one quarterback to sell. Where are we going here? I really want a chance to respond for Brock Purdy, but I will go ahead and focus. I'll stay on topic. I think it's Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has been very productive through the first five games of the season. Um, in fact, in four of the five games, he's thrown the ball more than 44 times. There's the volume you're talking about. But the problem is, he's going to be without Justin Jefferson for a minimum of a month. And while I understand he's still a capable quarterback of giving you, you know, decent production, probably without Justin Jefferson, you know, there's no proof yet, no data that he's going to be still 
a top 10 play at the quarterback position without Justin Jefferson available. We don't know how Jordan Addison's going to, you know, handle an expanded role. Same thing for KJ Osborne. Personally, I think TJ Hawkinson's the guy that probably gets the biggest bump in value, but it just can't move very much farther up because he's already at like tight end two or tight end three in, in most weekly rankings. So Kirk Cousins feels like a guy that if I can sell him right now, I just think that there's tougher days ahead for that passing offense and Kirk Cousins in particular without a dynamic talent like Justin Jefferson in the line. All right, let's fly through the tight ends to sell here. Soppy, where are we going? I'm going to Philly. I mean, I, I don't. I said it a week or two ago. I don't want to say that they're the East Coast 49ers, but they kind of are. You're playing Russian roulette with these pass catchers on a consistent basis. It was Dallas Goddard's time. He had the big week, over 100 yards and a touchdown in the win. I think you have to capitalize on that, understanding that there's going to be just as many big weeks as down weeks. I understand the George Kittle comp and that's kind of where i'm going here the volume is okay the passing offense is okay we think it's going to funnel through brown and smith to me goddard sell him for what you can i i don't think he's a top three four guy he's not in that elite tier even though he showed it last week all right derek for you number one tight end to sell where are we going kyle pitts if anybody believes it, like, oh, yeah arthur smith's finally going to use kyle pitts in a role befitting of a man of his type of talents that's the Atlanta offense. And that's Desmond Ritter's first 300-yard game of his career. And quite frankly, the way that I've seen Desmond Ritter play throughout the majority of his starts, it might be his only 300-yard passing game of his NFL career. Hopefully I'm wrong for his sake and the Falcons' sake. But I, I just think that this is potentially an outlier performance. And I'm a little bit skeptical about a huge week from a very capable pass-catching tight end in Kyle Pitts. I don't think that all of a sudden this passing offense is going to produce like we saw in week five moving forward. All right, that'll do it here for week six trade targets podcast, breaking down a ton, a ton of information here, breaking down the Justin Jefferson, the IR news, breaking down Devon Achan, and of course, giving you guys some players to go target in your fantasy football leagues. Make sure to go over to pfnfantasy.com for all of our written content. This is where we are talking about everything that we talked about here in this podcast and more. So make sure to go check that out there. And of course, the free trade analyzer, the link for that can be found right here in your podcast or YouTube show description. All right, I'm going to go get another cup of coffee. That'll do it for Kyle Sapp. Derek Tate. I'm Kyle Yates. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next time.